they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. <laughs> well, actually, I'm sitting in for Mary Danielle. She's doing the babysitting, and I'm here. Oh, actually, do the show. We're getting Barbers. a double program. And hang on a second. an interesting show. And Mr. Engineer, is, we're going to continue. Okay, there we go, Mary Danielle. I'm here with you. What a novel idea. Novel idea. Awesome. Okay. So tell us what we're doing. I'm, I pr promoted it, the, the Terry and Jesse show about marriage. What a great time to do it in the month of June. That's right. And I put it under the title, The Designs of His Heart Are From Age to Age. Now, what I didn't put in that quote, that's a quote from Psalm 33, and mm -hmm. it's for the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. To rescue their souls from death and to keep them alive in famine. And I, I think this is because it's the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, because it's the month of June, and the Sacred Heart of Jesus shows us the love of God poured out for us in Christ Jesus, Amen. our Lord. So we want to uh, focus on his love. What does this love mean? How is it reflected in creation? And how is it that marriage and family life shows forth to us this love that exists within the Trinity from all eternity? Yep. So we want to begin. It's still Easter time. We'll say the Regina Chaley at the beginning here and uh, ask the angels to join us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia, alleluia. for he whom you merited to bear, alleluia, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia, for the Lord is truly risen, alleluia. O God, who by the resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, have vouchsafed to make glad the whole world, Grant we beseech thee that through the prayers of the Virgin Mary, we may rejoice to share in his resurrection through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaot, Plenis Uncele et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in Excelsis, Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in Excelsis. And as Terry mentioned, today is First Friday, and every First Friday of the month, we dedicate in a special way to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. But this month of June, the entire month, is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, Amen. which is the image of God, the Fa God's love for us, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a trinity of persons. He's not a solitude unto himself. He is, as St. John Paul II said, the original family, <laughs> as in God, there is fatherhood, there is sonship, and the essence of the family, which is love. And so the thoughts of his hearts last from age to age to rescue their souls from death and to feed them in time of famine. And, of course, we know that um, in the fulfillment of this, Christ, he rescues us from the death, particularly the death of sin. He doesn't rescue us from earthly death. We are going to die. Terry and I have had just recently three friends die. Mm. Um, one was a Father Colby missionary, Maria del Rosario. Um, our, our secretary, Trish, her mom died this week. Mm -hmm. And then a very dear friend who was very faithful, came to the Bible studies, even brought her children to the Bible studies, Susanna Varela. And please keep them all in prayer. She yeah. died this week. Yep. And keep them in prayer. Susanna was a young mother. Uh, Trish's mom was older, and um, Maria del Rosario was 82. So you know, it's like, well, but when a younger person dies, and to pray for their families. Mm -hmm. But to remember that, you know, Death came into the world as an intrusion. It wasn't part of God's original plan, nope. but it's redemptive. And it, God isn't trying to save us from physical death, 
because through death we're going to pass into eternal life, into a new mode of existence with Christ in eternity if we've been faithful. And we ask for that grace every day. Lord, grant us the grace of final perseverance. But his love is that he desires that this friendship with us. Right. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that the highest form of love is friendship. Yep. And so in God, there is this friendship, and God shares this friendship with us. So what about the sacrament of matrimony, and how does that fit into this? Well, the church teaches us that the matrimonial covenant, by the way, the church says a matrimonial covenant, sacred family bond, by which a man and woman establish between themselves a partnership for the whole of life is by its nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. The covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. So what is marriage in God's plan? Sacred scripture begins with the creation of man and woman in the image and likeness of God. Remember in the beginning, God made them male and female. That's right. And he created Eve for Adam to be a suitable partner. And he tells them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And it concludes with the vision of the wedding feast of the Lamb. So the scripture begins with the marriage in the Garden of Eden, and it ends with the marriage of the wedding feast of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and his church. And all of us are members of his church when we're baptized. Scripture speaks throughout of marriage and its mystery, its institution, and the meaning God has given it, its origins and its end, its various realizations throughout the history of salvation, the difficulties arising from sin. The church doesn't ignore the fact that because of original sin, because we have concupiscence, and uh, we all are ego-centered because of original sin, that there's going to be difficulties in marriage. And it's renewal in the Lord in the new covenant of Christ and his church. It's renewal in the Lord. Remember, Christ renewed marriage. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 39 and Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. So marriage is supposed to be this image. It's supposed to be a friendship. It's supposed, the highest form of love is friendship. And husband and wife should foster a deep friendship, a deep love, and then pass that on to their children. And their children, it's ordered not only to the good of the spouses, but the procreation and education of children. And that that there has to be that unity between husband and wife. And we have to strive at that. And you know, Mary, the Catechism of the Catholic Church gives us a lot of biblical references. There's a section called Article 7, paragraph 1601, basically gives this world biblical view. I'll just read the paragraph. The matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman established between themselves a partnership of the whole of life is by its nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between the baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to a dignity of a sacrament. Uh, This really, uh, the whole section of the catechism is really just gold for for mom and dad. Uh, I would highly recommend this, Mary, that couples that are listening right now uh, open up their catechism and read that section on marriage because uh, there's another one that that really got me. It was paragraph 1604. You want to read that one, Mary? Because that kind of just reaffirmed what you had said. It's very succinct. God, who created man out of love, also calls him to love. The fundamental and innate vocation of every human being. Mm Mm-hmm. 
For the man is created in the image and likeness of God, who is himself love. Mm-hmm. So we're created in God's image, and God is love. Right. Since God created him, man and woman, their mutual love becomes an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. Mm-hmm. It is good, very good in the creator's eyes. And this love which God blesses is intended to be fruitful and to be realized in the common work of watching over creation. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's it. I mean, it's a very worldly, a biblical worldview of the sacrament. And this is my point, Mary. The world right now is in chaos yeah. for a number one reason, the family. Right. The family is under attack. It's under attack. And what did Our Lady say to St. Faustius, not to St. Faustius, to Sister Lucia? The final battle will be with the family. St. John Paul II wrote a letter. We all remember back in 94, a letter to families. And he says the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. Right. So this is why all of the answers, I mean, people are, are grappling with the uh, shooters that are, you know, the mass shooters that are going on in our country. And really... The answer is not take guns away from people. It's build the family in a very godly way because what happened 50, 60 years ago, we didn't have these kind of shootings going on in our country like we have now. What's different? And I would say the family has been really is, is under attack. And so when you know 50% of the kids that are growing up in America don't have a dad, that's not a world biblical view. We're supposed to be raised by mom and dad. That's God's view, not my view or my wife's view. Right. We just happen to agree with what our Lord's <laughs> view is. Well, by the grace of God, we have been trained and we have been able to study our faith. And we recognize and realize the beauty and goodness of it. And it's based on the dignity of the human person mm. as created in God's image, as a person to be loved. And so in family, we're striving for love. Now, does that happen perfectly? No, we struggle at it day by day, and especially because of concupiscence. And that's familiaris consortio, mm. which was a letter to the to the, the, role, the role of the family in the modern world by yep. John Paul II. And then also the dignity and of, of the vocation of women. In yep. the, oh, and, great and, document. By John Paul II. And he talks about this struggle that goes on between man and woman because of original sin. You know, that, that men want to dominate and women want to manipulate and we have to overcome these tendencies mm. and we have to learn to work together and support one another in what? In overcoming sin in our life, in making God the center of our life and in raising our children up in the love of God as in, and the dignity that is theirs as made in the image and likeness of God. Well said. Amen to that. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the great sacrament. But I want to promote First Saturday devotion to, uh, tomorrow, 3 o'clock. I'll be there, God willing, to be with you to promote the Fatima uh, First Saturday devotions. We're having the chaplet at 3 o'clock, and then we start praying the rosary, and then we have a meditation period, and then we have a little presentation every month on some aspect of Fatima. And then we have Holy Mass. Holy Mass at 5 o'clock, but before Holy Mass, we have confession starting at 4 o'clock. Praise God. So, and then after that, a potluck. So we'd love to have you join us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio on this good on this first Saturday tomorrow. When we come back, we'll open up our Bibles and the Catechism and talk more about God's design for the family. Stay with us, family, here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 3rd, 2022nd, the first Friday of June, the month Ooh. of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yeah. We want to um, spread the love of God everywhere we go and in all of our actions and everything we do. We're talking about marriage and family life and Article 7 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, numbers 1601 through 1666, all talk about marriage. Mm. I really encourage, as Terry said in the first part of this show, all families, uh, husbands and wives, study these paragraphs, not, and not just study them for the sake of knowledge, but pray over them. Mm. Ask the Lord to enlighten your minds and hearts so we can all get God's world biblical view of marriage and what it is and what it means. We're created in God's image as persons to be loved, and we're supposed to um, spread his love. And in the Catechism 605, it goes on to say that Holy Scripture affirms that man and woman were created for one another. It is not good for the man to be alone. Genesis 2.18, the woman, flesh of his flesh, his equal, his nearest in all things, is given to him by God as a helpmate. She thus represents God from whom comes our help. Look at Genesis 2, 18, Genesis 2, verses 18 through 25. Therefore, a man leaves his father and cleaves to his wife, father and mother, his father and his mother, and <laughs> and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Genesis 2.24. The Lord himself shows that this signifies an unbreakable union of their two lives by recalling what the plan of the Creator had been in the beginning. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Ninety, number, uh, uh, footnote 95 is Matthew 19.6, 19, and they're referring there to what Jesus said when he was asked the question about divorce. No, God didn't intend divorce from the beginning. No. And, and Mary, let's go in just for the benefit. I can hear listeners going, well, wait a minute. Um, what's the difference between an annulment and a divorce? And um, I want to know, can I uh, legitimately get remarried if I get an annulment? And why is that when I can't if I'm just a civil divorce? Well, a civil divorce is the state declaring that your your marriage is null, but an annulment in the Catholic Church is a declaration that there was no marriage to begin with. And if you read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it talks about marriage in the Lord, and it talks about what what kind of impediments there are to marriage. Right. So y- y- there are things that impede the marriage bond, That's that right. make it impossible. So, for, and for, By the way, one of the things that impedes a marriage bond is if a couple mutually agrees that they will not have any children. Oh, yeah, that invalidates it. There's no marriage. Yep. You cannot close yourself off to the possibility of children. That doesn't mean God will bless you with children. We don't know if God's going to bless us with children. So a Catholic annulment is not just a divorce. It's not just saying, well, you know, I'm not happy with this person anymore. You know, Remember, in the old law, Moses allowed divorce. And there was a great... Uh, difference in opinion about why you could divorce your wife. You know, some of the Jews thought you could only divorce your wife if there was adultery involved. Some of them thought, well, if, if you didn't like the way she cooked, you could divorce her. <laughs> you know, um, you got tired of the way she looked, you could divorce her. So there was a, the, the liberal view, as it were, and the conservative view. But the reality is, is Jesus says, no, God didn't intend that from the beginning. No. If there's a true marriage there, if a man and a woman have freely come before the Lord and given themselves to each other and conferred on each other, by the way, the sacrament of marriage, then you can't break that bond. Now, if there's abuse, 
of the the wife and 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 or the children by you know or abuse of the the husband and or the children you know if there's abuse on one side or the other you could divorce and separate for the safety of the people involved but that doesn't leave you free to remarry right an annulment is a declaration that there was no marriage and by the way just because abuse comes in doesn't mean that there was no marriage Right. Two people may have freely entered into marriage intending to give themselves to each other for life, and then, you know, concupiscence, our, our own wills get in there, and we allow our selfishness to rule our life rather than being selfless and dying for, to myself to live for the other. And that's you know, the beautiful view of marriage given in the New Testament by P- St. Paul, that marriage is a sacrament that represents the relationship between Christ and his church. And then he points to Christ on the cross. And he says, husbands, this is what you're supposed to look like. You are supposed to die to yourself in order to present to yourself a bride who is pure and spotless without stain or wrinkle or anything of that sort. And he's talking about without any sin. So you're not going to encourage your wife to practice contraception. You're not going to encourage your wife to be closed to life. You're not going to encourage your wife to, to murder your children through contraception and or abortion or in any other means, you're going to help your wife to be holy, to be faithful to the Lord, to be a godly woman. And the same, you know, when we marry, and this is so beautiful, after you say those vows, you no longer belong to yourself. I don't belong to myself. I fully gave myself to my husband, Terry. And he doesn't belong to himself. He fully gave himself to me. And so it's this mutual gift of self to the other, entrusting myself to him, trusting that he will not betray that trust, by the way, that I belong to him. And so annulment is not a a declaration of divorce that, you know, okay, there was a valid marriage, but now it doesn't exist. No, an annulment says that there was something missing at the time that the vows were taken and there's not that there there was not a true marriage there. And Mary, this is very unique in in the in the entire world of any religion. The Catholic Church really is the only person, only church that says there's an indissolubility of marriage. Exactly. That when you have a valid marriage, the only thing that stops it is when you die. Right. Death do us part. That's right. And so this is a beautiful teaching. And sometimes I would say, Mary, we don't proclaim that strong enough because sometimes we're afraid that it might offend people. But what I've found overall, Mary, even when I've talked to people who aren't living the faith, when I give them the model of the Catholic marriage, especially women, and saying, this is what your husband's supposed to be. He's supposed to die to himself like Christ died on the cross. He's supposed to die and give himself to his spouse. And the girls go, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they hear this, so I think we need to loudly proclaim what the church teaches on the great sacrament of marriage because this is a element. I would call this as the antidote to the secular world that says, if it feels good, do it. Right. And we're going to say, no, we want to give ourselves to Christ and do it his way. That's what's going to make it well. As I've said many times, I quote Fulton Sheen when I said, there's a song they sing in heaven. He, I did it his way. That's what we are asking all of us to do, his way. And the song they sing in hell, I did it my way. So it's mercy to teach people the beauty of the Catholic faith on marriage. It's false mercy to compromise the teachings of the church. Amen. And there's a lot of 
in our modern world, there was a lot of complaint, especially when we were teenagers and young adults, about yeah. about St. Paul's letter where he says, wives, be submissive to your husbands. Oh, yeah. And then husbands, love your wives as mm-hmm. Christ loved the church. Right. Well, it's interesting. At, at our wedding, the priest, Father Fessio, who was the main celebrant of the Mass and officiated, it was a, the official witness of our vows for the church, pointed something out. The verse before wives, be submissive to your husbands is be mutually submissive to one another exactly. in the Lord. Exactly. So we submit ourselves, as Christians, we submit ourselves to the Lord, and then we serve one another. I no longer live for myself. I live for my spouse and for whatever children God blesses us with. And the same is, is you know, my spouse also. And we live in a selfish world that says, hey, live for yourself, do whatever you want, pursue your own wants, your own feelings, pursue your own um pleasure. And that's not, that's not the biblical worldview. And what's interesting is what people find is when they pursue their own pleasure, pursue their own ego, they're empty. And the more they pursue it, the less satisfied they are. And so the more titillation, the more worldly things they're seeking in order to fill them up because they feel emptier and emptier Mm -hmm. and emptier. But when we empty ourselves and follow Christ and serve one another out of love for the Lord, we are fulfilled and we don't feel that restlessness of searching for this titillation and that titillation going from that entertainment to this entertainment and being entertained all the time. And it's no, we're content, for instance, in a family to, to be together in the evening and just read a book together or just sit with one another and peacefully and calmly share our lives with one another quietly or in conversation and in prayer. And when we do these things, when we live the biblical worldview, we find that we are fulfilled. And is there suffering? Yeah. For instance, (laughs) you know, this week, this, this young lady that died, you know, she left a husband and children behind. She left brothers and sisters behind. Mm. Uh, There's pain. But that pain came into the world because of sin. God didn't make that. God isn't doing that to us. That came because of sin. And so we offer all of that pain up in union with Jesus in reparation for our sins and the sins of the whole world. And it has meaning. And we're able to bear our sufferings, not on our own, but with the help of Christ. And we can grow in mutual love and respect. I remember Father John Carapi years ago told the story, true story. Yes. That the captain of the football team and the homecoming Never forget it. got married right out of high school. Yep. And very early in their marriage, there was a very serious accident the husband was disabled in that accident, and the wife dedicated her life to serving her husband. Her family members, her friends all told her, look, put him in an institution. You have your whole life to live. You're young. And she said, no, this is my husband. I vowed to live for him. I vowed to serve him. This is, you know, for better or for worse, for richer, poor, and sickness and health. So she served her husband in, this, in, in his incapacity, in his disability. And Father Karapi, you know, he said this, he was telling the story 25 years after their graduation wow. from high school. Wow. And he said the love that exists between the two of them mm-hmm. is so far beyond anything in this world. It's unearthly. And what's interesting, I went to see Susanna, my friend, who was dying of cancer, and I got to see her Tuesday morning. She had asked a fr- mutual friend to have me come and I wanted to come but I didn't know if she was be able to accept visitors and so I went she was in her home in comfort care 
and and she just she had she always had this beautiful smile absolutely even when she was well she had yep. this just infectious smile mm-hmm. but the peace there was just absolute peace in her presence and i just sat with her for about a half an hour she held my hand i held her hand we mm. prayed together beautiful. and just were in each other's presence but there was such peace and joy and and it's like how can there be joy and, and i know she was suffering tremendously you could see it and and it's like lord you can bring this about. And, and it's just beyond what the world can imagine or, or fathom. But it comes from that union with Christ. Amen. The beauty and goodness of sharing our life with Christ, accepting whatever Christ sends in our life, and then sharing our lives with each other and not living for myself, not living for my own pleasure, but renouncing my pleasures, you know, exercising uh, impulse control, as exactly. somebody as you know, a young person that I know likes to say, and it's yeah, we have to exercise impulse control, and learn how to direct and guide our the faculties of our body to service of one another. Well said. Don't forget, this is June. The feast of uh, Pentecost is coming up Sunday. We've got Trinity Sunday coming. We got Corpus Christi. We got the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Sacred Heart of Jesus. Great month to talk about the sacrament of marriage, a world biblical view, catechism, and the Bible. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back after a quick break. Stay with us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 2nd, 2022. And we are talking about love in marriage. What a great topic. The month of June. (laughs) Amen. And, you know, the sacred heart of Jesus, love, the love of God shown to us in his son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I want to reemphasize that Article 7 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that covers numbers 1601 through 1666. And I encourage all married couples to study that. But there are other sections of the catechism that apply to marriage. And uh, there's the section on the commandments, Mm -hmm. particularly the sixth and ninth commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's uh, wife. Okay, Mm -hmm. so thou shalt not commit adultery. That marriage by its nature is ordered to fidelity. (laughs) You give yourself mutually to one another, a mutual gift. So there's that whole section that begins with number um, 2331, 2331, and it goes on. But part of that, and, and 2346 talks about that integrality of in the integral, integrality of the gift of self, that in marriage you give yourself freely. And this is why, you know, in marriage in the Catholic Church, one of the things that has to be established, for instance, if their question comes up later about the, the, the validity of a marriage is, were both parties really free? Was somebody under coercion? Was somebody being forced? Was somebody under fear? There ha- it has to be a free gift that's given freely. Okay? And, and now sometimes, you know, I remember seeing a movie one time, and this, you know, in back in the day, you know, you had the shotgun marriages where a, a boy, in, in back in the way back in the day, in the early days of TV, and a, a guy, a, a young man in high school would get a girl pregnant, and then her father would take him and say, before the preacher, and say, okay, with a shotgun, and say, okay, you're going to marry her, you know, <laughs> shotgun wedding. Yeah. And, and I remember there was one, I don't remember the, what it was, but the, the boy, the guy, is he's standing there at the altar in front of the preacher, and the, the father's standing there with the shotgun, holding it on his future son-in-law and the, the boy 
grabs the shotgun out of his father, future father-in-law's hand, takes it to the door of the church, throws it out, comes back to the altar and said, I marry her freely. I want to marry your daughter. <laughs> what a great you know, story. Okay, he's doing that free. He's not, he's not yeah, under duress. He's not under pressure. He, he nope. wanted to do that. So, you know, there has to be that free gift. And that free gift, and this is, people don't always understand that, in marriage, that free gift must be open to life. Children are a gift from the Lord, a blessing, the fruit of the womb, like the arrows in a quiver of a warrior. Oh, the happiness of the man who fills his quiver with these arrows. He will have no cause for shame when he disputes with his foes in the gateway. Psalm 127. Children are a blessing. They're a blessing from God. And the, the scripture always, only, and everywhere speaks of children as a blessing, a blessing within marriage. And marriage is supposed to protect the child the, the husband and wife protect, and they bring that child up in the Lord. God hates divorce because he wants godly children, it says in the, one of the wisdom books. And it may be Proverbs. I don't remember. Proverbs. But, but Mom, can I just jump in? Because what you're saying about life and about children, this is why we have to speak out on some secular things in the culture of death. Absolutely. For example, there's a newly released Pfizer document revealing that uh. 82% of pregnant women who took the COVID jab lost their baby. See, this is why, now this is an organ, this is a, a secular group. They make money selling these um, vaccines. They have no liability. You, your loss of your child, you can't go back to Pfizer and say, hey, malpractice. You can't do anything. You can't. There was no recourse. No. There was no recourse. And this is why the, the world biblical view, again, of the family. We have to keep that in mind whenever the government or whoever steps in and tells you, you have to do this. And I just want to convey that, you know, the government will tell you many times that, you know, a baby has Down syndrome and you should abort that baby. No. See, we let go and let God. Right. And the, the, the Bible and the catechism teaches so clearly a biblical worldview that says we are not in charge of the life of that baby inside in the sense that we let God decide rather than man decide. And this is why we're so emphatic as a church to protect the unborn because there's lots of attacks, not only through abortion, but the secular world's going to tell you, use contraception. And Mary Danielle, many of these contraceptive pills are an abortifacient that conception takes place. And people didn't know that. And even if they weren't abortifacient, it's still contraceptives, according to John Paul, excuse me, Paul VI in Humani Vitae, he said the contraceptive mentality, this is intrinsically evil. And he didn't come up with that term, by the way. Go back and read Casti Canubii by Pope Pius XI. 1931. 1931. When the Lambeth Conference caved and that said that for, for um, in hard cases, mm-hmm. married couples could use contraceptives in their marriage, Pius XI wrote an encyclical, Casti Canubii, and in, he, them, he, in there he said, this contraceptives, this mentality is intrinsically evil. Why? Because God made love and life to go together. Amen. Unity and procreation in marriage go together by nature. By nature, the marital act is ordered toward fecundity, toward fruitfulness. Yeah. Why? Because married love is an image of the life of the Trinity, and God is not a solitude. No. He is fecund. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And and so and, and Christ, in his relationship with his church, 
is, is fruitful. He's constantly bringing forth new life in his church through baptism and bringing people into his church through the, the sacraments, of the, especially, first of all, the sacrament of baptism. And so we, we have to be open to fruitfulness. Now, the church is not saying that every marital act is going to bring forth a new life or must bring forth a new life. It said that every marital act must be open to life and must never do anything artificial to interfere with the possibility of the transmission of life. Right. Which, you know, the birth, as Bishop Sheen used to say, birth control. They, call, they like to call it birth control. He said, no, that's a misnomer because you have no birth and no control. So you use contraceptives and you don't have children but you don't have control either. You get to indulge in your own um, pursuit of pleasure without the concern for your spouse. Your spouse now becomes an object of your pleasure. And we can see this in our society. Oh yeah. When you remove the possibility of children from the marital act, then society says, well, then the purpose, and even, you know, there are Protestants who've even tried to work up a whole theology of the pleasure of the marital act, that this is the purpose of the marital act because they believe in contraceptives. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is if the purpose of the marital act is pleasure, if that's its purpose, then you know what? It doesn't matter who you are getting, how you are, how you are getting that pleasure, who you're getting it with. Exactly. And it leads to a lot of debauchery. Of course it does. Of course it does. And that's something that the world will tell you. You know, they call it recreational sex so that they could just do it whenever they want to do it, who to whomever they want to do it. And you see, this is a sacred act reserved for husband and wife. And that's where uh, the beauty comes, not from a secular worldview, but a biblical worldview, because this is where, you know, God has given it, has ordained this, and again, this is where our, you talk about pleasure, I'll just say it's more pleasurable to do it God's way than to do it man's way. And, and also you're doing it according to his will and not your will. Right. And again, that paragraphs 2331 through 2400 mm-hmm. deal with the sixth commandment. Right. Married couples read this and open your eyes. Now, granted, remember, the marital act is geared toward union the union of the spouses, which means a free mutual gift where I completely entrust my whole being to the other. And this is one of the difficulties with contraceptives and why it's intrinsically evil, because by its very nature, it makes me a liar. Yeah. You see, when I freely give myself to my spouse, I say, I give my whole self to you. Mm-hmm. But if I'm using contraceptives, I say, I give you everything but my fertility. Right. That, that You can't have that. We're not going to be fertile. We're not. Well, then wait a minute. Then you've lied with your body. As John Paul II talked about this in his Theology of the Body. And I recommend Michael Veldstein's translation of the Theology of the Body. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the reality is, is we have to tell the truth with our body. Amen. So we wait until marriage to give ourselves in the conjugal union because I'm not, I don't belong to my spouse until I've taken those vows before God. And then I freely give myself, and I no longer belong to myself, but I don't do anything to interfere with the possibility of the transmission of life. That doesn't mean God's going to bless us with life. And that doesn't mean we have to have a baby every year. There's caricatures. Protestants, I guess, you know, Kimberly Hahn and Scott Hahn talked about this in their conversion process of how, you know, Protestants, some say, oh, well, the Catholics just, they just want as many babies as they can have so they can, you know, populate the world. And it's like, no, 
we want to be open to life. But there's also, it's not just about having children. It's about nurturing those children emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. You know, in the scriptures, if you read about people nursing their babies, it talks about, you know, in the book of Maccabees, the mother of the seven sons, she said, I nursed you till you were three years old. (laughs) So in our world, our, our women be encouraged to nurse their babies. And, and to naturally, if you do that and you ecologically nurse your babies, it naturally spaces them. But if you can take a bottle and give the baby a bottle and you don't make an effort to nurse the baby, then your fertility comes back. And it is possible to have a baby every 10 and a half months. Usually the body will take a rest after a while, but it's possible to have babies a year apart. And it makes it very difficult to provide for those children on all of the levels that they need to be provided for. So there are serious reasons, for instance, and some moms, by the way, and I know this, cannot nurse. Some mothers don't get milk. Some mothers don't produce enough milk. Um, and, there, you know, if women have C-sections, pain can interfere with the body's ability to let down the milk and be able to nurse your babies. It is God's way to nurse our children. And if we can, and we pray God, and it's a learned, by the way, it's learned. If you can get in touch with LaLacha League and um, some lactation consultants and learn how to nurse your babies the proper way, it helps, but don't condemn yourself if you're not able to do it. That's not what. That's not the point here. The point is we don't use artificial means to interfere with the procreative act, and and the church allows for natural family planning. And natural family planning is yeah, if for some reason you can't nurse your babies and the, the children are coming very rapidly and close together, you can space your children by learning what are the infertile periods. You can have recourse to solely the infertile periods in a woman's cycle in order to space the children if there's serious reason to do so. Well said. We come back, we're going to talk about mixed marriages and the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1633, and what to look for with that. Stay with us, family, here on The Bible with the Barbers on Virgin with Powerful Radio. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And just real quickly, before we get into the issue of mixed marriages, I do want to refer people to the Ninth Commandment, which is Numbers 2514 through 2533. We're not going to be able to cover that today, but but again, it, it talks about the battle for chastity and how each of us has to so important for the 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 the, the, the um, integrity, our own integrity as human beings, and to to strive for chastity in our life. And then, um, just to clarify on the natural family planning, natural family planning isn't Catholic birth control. It's not looking at children as a burden. It's seeing children as a gift from the Lord and acknowledging that with each child, the child has emotional needs, psychological needs. It has the need to be educated, not only in the faith, but educated in the secular realm. You know, all everything that God has made, you know, science, history, you know, God made all of it. So it, and the, the parents are the first educators of the child. So there's a very serious responsibility. So there can be serious reasons um, even in the first world, uh, where the, you know, to, to space your children, and especially if a woman isn't able to nurse, there may be, so you can have, um, in your marital relations, you can have recourse to only the infertile periods if there's a serious reason to space your children. And, um, you know, you can have marital relations in the infertile periods of your, of your marriage. That's not 
you know, the, a woman's cycle is what God made. So you're not violating what God made by having recourse to having, you know, marital relations during the infertile part of your, your, your cycle. That's, that's God's make. That's what God made. But, but to, to see children as a burden, that's, that's what we have to watch. They're not a burden. They're a gift. And we have to remember that and that we, we want, but we do have to educate them and we have to look for what is their emotional good, their psychological good. And and then how do we educate these children that God has blessed us with? They're a blessing. So Terry mentioned about this mixed marriages and disparity of cult. You know, oftentimes in our world, um, in many countries, you know, Catholics, they're having a difficult time finding a Catholic spouse and so they start dating people who are not of the same religious um, cult of them. They're not Catholic. They're Protestant or even no religion. And it's interesting. When I was in college, I remember um, one of my biblical professors, he said to us one time, a, pr- a priest, and he said, you know, when a couple comes to me, a young couple, and they're talking about, they're thinking about getting marriage and they want marriage counseling, and one of them is Catholic and one of them is not, I tell them, you know what, you need to call us off now. You need to stop this relationship and call it off now, unless the non-Catholic partner is intending to become Catholic and is studying for the Catholic faith. Because if you don't, you're asking for the loneliest possible life that you could ever imagine. Because the most important thing to both of you is that your means of salvation. And you can't share that. Yep. Because you don't share the same faith. Mm. Now people say, but I'm Christian and I believe in Jesus Christ and he's my savior. And I, I did a Bible study um, after I got out of college. I was doing a Bible study with some women from our parish. We went to daily mass and we met. And so we started doing Bible study. And one of the gals there, she was Catholic and she had married a non-Catholic. And she said, you know, before we were married, he went to mass with me every Sunday. He prayed with me. But as soon as we were married, oh my gosh, he started saying no, the children. And he had, he had agreed by marrying a Catholic. He had agreed the children would be raised Catholic. And as soon as they were married, he tried to say, no, I'm the father of this family and I'm not Catholic, so our children can't be raised Catholic. Hmm. Well, sweetheart, here's the deal. The Catholic Church is the only church that was founded by Jesus Christ. You made a promise before you married me, and that promise was that the children would be raised Catholic. And not to me. You made that promise to Jesus Christ and his church. And now you're saying no. So you're breaking your promise. Now, that doesn't nullify the marriage, but what it does is it causes... an tense agony and pain within the marriage so when there's this disparity of cult you have people who um you know you're not of the same religious it's gonna create a very lonely life that's true it can create a lot of tension and the deal is there's already plenty of tension you know gk chesterton once said i have never known a compatible marriage in my life there's no such thing there's, no, there's nothing in this world so incompatible as a man and a woman. <laughs> but he said, I have known very many happy marriages <laughs> because in their incompatibility, a man and a woman can learn to work together to build something that's outside of themselves and greater than themselves, a family. Yeah. And so, you know, in many countries, the situation of a mixed marriage, marriages between a Catholic and a baptized non-Catholic often arises it requires particular attention on the part of couples and their pastors. A case of marriage with disparity of cult between a Catholic and a non-baptized person requires even greater circumstances. So, circumspection, circumspection. You have to work not just with the, 
the normal concupiscence, not with just the normal incompatibility of man and woman. Now you need to work with the incompatibility of your religious faith. Yeah, Danielle, also in that catechism, verse 1634, the paragraph in the middle of it says uh, regarding mixed marriages that difficulties of mixed marriages must not be underestimated. In other words, they, they arise from the fact that the separation of Christians has not yet been overcome. Right. The spouses risk experiencing the tragedy of Christian disunity, even in the heart of their own home. Amen. So it's just, this this paragraph really says it a lot. I recommend that you don't get married to a non-Catholic, whether they're uh, Protestant or even have no background. And I know many of my friends, they married women and then they converted to the Catholic faith and that's great. But I know for me, it was so much easier when I married you, a fervent Catholic. We were already praying together. And I want to just recommend something before we close today, how important praying with your spouse is. Amen. Mary, do you want to talk on that? It is. And, and you know, they've done studies and they find out that among those people who, who um, pray together, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but Terry probably will. Yeah, I do. That, that, that if, if, if spouses pray together, the divorce rate goes down to... Oh, it's, I'm going to say it's minuscule. It's, it's like 99% they stay together. Right. And, right. and there's a reason for it. Go ahead, Mary. I'm sorry. And the, the reason, I think, the reason is, is because we're acknowledging yep. that God is first. Yep. As Bishop Sheen, Three to Get Married, his book, and we recommend that to all married couples read and all engaged couples read yep. three to get married that god has to be the center of both of our lives that's right and and that's it and it's, it's it, you know when our children decide that well you know mom and dad i really don't like going to church or they married they brought in someone into the family who's not fully you know not catholic maybe baptized catholic but never raised catholic or or never were catholic they're and they don't want to go to church on sunday and and it's like they there's like well well just don't go to church mom and dad and then we can be happy and we could just do something on sunday fun together as a family and it's like no no i can't give up god for you he who loves father or mother brother or sister husband or wife children more than me is not worthy of the kingdom jesus said this yep. so the first commandment is to love the Lord, the God first. Now, I'm not going to fight with you over it, but I'm not going to allow you to take God out of my life. And, and I will make God first, and I will pray, and I will go to Mass. And, but it, there's the difficulty. And, and again, you, what happens in, oftentimes in a mixed marriage, and, and like I, I know of people who, you know, they married a non-Catholic, and the non-Catholic became Catholic later on, and wonderful and good. Yep. But I also know people who married a non-Catholic, and yep. the non-Catholic was a good person, mm -hmm. you know, very diligent and, and taking care of their family and supporting their family and doing all their duties in their state of life. Yeah. But they never became Catholic. And when the children grew up, the children said, my, my parent, mother or father, didn't need religion. I don't need religion. And it's like, wait a minute. You received baptism. You received your sacraments, confession, communion, confirmation. You were married in the church. And now you're saying, maybe you were married in the church, maybe you weren't, but now you're saying, I don't need religion mm. because my parent was non-Catholic was non and they didn't practice any particular religion, so I don't need a religion. Right. And it's like, do you see what's happened here? Yeah. And this is, God wants, God, he wants children that, our children are not our own. And I think Terry alluded to this just a little bit earlier in the show. Get this straight, people. We don't create children. When a husband and wife come together in conjugal union, they can't create a child. 
Only God can create the immortal soul of a child and infuse that soul into a fertilized egg and thereby making it human being (laughs) so that 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 egg will develop and grow. And only God can do that. I can't create a child. I don't create a child. The child doesn't belong to me. They belong to God. And God made us for himself. Mm -hmm. He made us so that we could share in his happiness. God made us to show forth his goodness and to share his eternal happiness with us. And if, if we don't share that with our children, if we don't raise our children up to know, you know, the world is so full of voices that are pulling us away from God, titillation, and so many, that's people surrounding themselves with noise. I remember Father John McKenna, God have mercy on his soul, yeah. and he said he worked as a chaplain in the hospital, and when they piped in music, he's like, they, we're surrounding ourselves with noise, 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 noise. Why? We're trying to drown out the, the voice of God. Shut the noise off. Listen to the voice of God. Remember that God made us for himself. And we're, we're made for union with God. We're not made for mediocrity. We're not made for a finality in this world. We're made to go to heaven and be with God. So we need to let our children know that their faith, their relationship with God is the most important thing in their life. Well said, Mary. Hey, I want to remind everybody, there are podcasts of all the shows, not just Bible with the Barber, but all the radio shows that we produce here at VMPR are available for you, and you can listen to them at your convenience by just going to vmpr.org. Also, I want to support the people in saying thank you, all you monthly donors. I just had um, one of the ladies come from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament here at the chapel. And, you know, you're always welcomed here at the Sacred Heart Chapel that we operate here. We have the Blessed Sacrament Don't forget, this is First Friday. If you hadn't gone to Mass yet, please go and get the confession. If it's been over a month, that's too long. And that's important for you. And we're talking about marriage, your husband or wife, both of them. I think it's a good idea to go together and celebrate that, uh, going to confession. Then you always know when you went last. Not always can happen, but you try to do that. And again, this is the great month of uh, Corpus Christi. We have Trinity Sunday. We have the feast this Sunday of the Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is a great, we have the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This whole month is centered on Christ and his our, and our Lady. And again, this is what we want to share with people, the beautiful teachings of the Catholic faith, and show how it just makes sense to live a happy and holy life so that we could get to heaven. Mary, any final thoughts? Just, you know, every day, uh, often renew your marriage vows. Look at each other and renew them. You know, I, I promise to be true to you, yep. okay? And, and no matter the circumstances, and pray together with your children. And remember, bring your children to the sacraments, you know? And, and do study your faith and live it. Ask God for more faith, hope, and charity every day. And just live in his love. Yes, and don't forget Our Lady at Fatima said... Souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Pray for our children. Pray for our spouses. Pray for the world. We need people to step up to the plate and make intercession. May God richly bless you and your family.